Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, it is December 5th, and you know what that means. I know you're on the nice list. What are you asking Santa for this year? <laughs> yeah, I've been asked. I never have a good a good idea to give anybody. They always ask me, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> Right. Right. <laughs> Pretty well, bad about that stuff. I'm going to use this opportunity and hope that somebody in my family or my friends or perhaps my girlfriend is listening. I would like a Nespresso coffee maker. So if anyone can, oh. if anyone is out there who would, would normally get me a Christmas gift that I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and give you uh, what I would like. Okay. Um, you know, who doesn't deserve gifts, John, the Kansas city chiefs after <laughs> last night's loss yeah. to the Cincinnati Bengals, 27 to 24, uh, this was a game between two obvious playoff teams. I think the Cincinnati Bengals will be there. We'll see if they can win their division. They don't have their division wrapped up like the Kansas City Chiefs do. We'll see if they can make things even more interesting as we get down the stretch here. Immediate thing to to know right now when you talk about the playoff picture, and I know, John, you'll be working on that for us early this week, but the Chiefs are now in second place in the AFC. They once again need help from the Buffalo mm-hmm. Bills. However... Even if the Bills were to win out, if the Chiefs were to win out, they would have home field advantage at least at the beginning of the playoffs as the number right. two seed. But the Bills have a gauntlet ahead, whereas the Chiefs' schedule kind of opens up here. I've d- dug into the Bills' schedule uh, a little bit here very quickly. It is versus the New York Jets, versus the Miami Dolphins, at the Chicago Bears with one of the most exciting players in the NFL suddenly in Justin Fields at the Cincinnati Bengals, and then they finish up with Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, who at that time may need to win a game to get in the postseason themselves. So that is quite a gauntlet for the Buffalo Bills. I tend to think that there is a loss in there, so I still think there's a lot ahead for the Chiefs when it comes to potentially getting that AFC bye. But the truth of the matter is, and we got to be honest today, the Chiefs now, John, need help again from mm-hmm. the teams playing the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Well, there's no way around that in this situation. You know, uh, when I wrote up the playoff uh, scenarios last week, I always say at the end of these articles, but all this starts with winning the next game, you know, right. whatever the scenario is. And the Chiefs didn't get that done on Sunday. So uh, now we have to back up and take another look at it and see what kind of help we need to to move forward. Yeah. It's just the way it is. Um, it is worth noting here that that John will have a playoff picture thing with exact percentages up as we get through what is the final game of, of week 13. And we start to turn the page to what is the next game against the lowly, lowly, lowly <laughs> Denver Broncos. So it should be an interesting week as we get ready for that game on this show. 
We're going to go over the important things to know from Chiefs head coach Andy Reid from his Monday afternoon Zoom press conference. We'll have our world-famous marinated takeaways from this loss in our second segment, and then we'll do a news review of the week that was that was heading into the Bengals game, what we need to know heading into this Chiefs and Broncos week. Steve let me know before we started the show that the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network has 951 reviews and we have no reviews know. this week. So we have no reviews to read this week. Steve said that we should be pushing to get a thousand. So here's what I'm going to do. I already mentioned there's 20 days until Christmas. I guess I'm bad at math, but I, that would make 27 days till the end of the month. If we can get a thousand reviews by the end of December. I will spend that Arrowhead Pride editor show eating a full ice cream cake as we do the show. So 1,000 reviews we're looking for before the end of December. And if we do it, I will do one of the shows. This is the show that we get to 1,000 if it's before the end of December, eating a whole ice cream cake as we do the show. So that's that's the challenge. If, if you care to have that and care to, care to hear that and uh, have me have to do that, then uh, you know we, we, we encourage you to leave an Apple review, of course, for five stars. Well, what what kind of ice cream cake are we talking about specifically? I need I need more information here. Are we talking about a newlywed cake roll or or what? You know what? I have no idea. I would have to figure it out. I just came at, up yeah. with that on the spot. I I'm a little afraid that this is going to happen and I'm going to get brain freeze because that happens to me at any time I drink a cold <laughs> drink or an ice cream or anything. So we will see. That's the challenge. There's only you only need 49 by the end of the month. I feel like it's possible. So yeah. we will see if well, we I'll start get... watching for a newlywed cake roll. Uh, that'd be that'd be a good thing for you. to. Yeah. Eat and don't cheat here, John. We don't need you calling your cousins and your brother in laws and your children <laughs> to get this done. Let's see. You mean like I it. usually do? We could, Yes, we need to get this. <laughs> if I'm going to eat this ice cream cake, it has to be natural reviews. So that okay. is uh, what All we're right. encouraging now. All right. Okay. Enough of the silliness. We have to talk about this loss, which is not good news. We'll start with Andy Reid, and we spoke to him today early this afternoon on what is a Zoom conference call. And I, I think the first thing, this is what stood out to me in the game, not to spoil any marinated takeaways or anything, was just the inability, the continued inability to get to Joe Burrow, only sacking him one time. Here was Andy Reid trying to understand why the Chiefs have struggled in that regard. Yeah, you know, we we got around him. We just didn't get him on the ground, which we've got to be, do a better job with. Um, he He has a knack for... For getting getting out of there, and he he did a good job. It wasn't that we didn't have people around him. That, that wasn't the the case. Um, uh, the majority of the time, there were people there. We just he slithered underneath. So there you hear Andy Reid talking about it, and it is true. I I think Joe Burrow has a knack for working the pocket, and it does seem like there isn't some kind of advantage against the Chiefs. I think what's troubling about this is that every other team seems to have very little problem with this against the mm-hmm. Bengals' offensive yeah. line, and the Chiefs, John, continue to struggle there. Yeah, that is that is odd. Uh, you know, the Bengals have beaten the Chiefs uh, three times in a row, but they've lost to the Browns four times running. Right. You know, that's a division game. That's kind of a different situation. You always know the division teams a lot better. The games tend to be close, so on and so forth. But um, it is odd. And sometimes that's just because of matchups, whether that's player to player, coach versus coach. Um, You know, sometimes a team gets another team's number, and that seems to be what's happened with the Chiefs and Bengals right now. I mean, that won't be the case forever. Um, I just can't believe that the Chiefs are going to be 
in this situation forever. If you um, if you're a cliche I, believer, yeah, the cliche that you hear always is it's hard to beat a team twice in one year. Now the Bengals have won three in a row. So mm-hmm. if, you, if you're believing in the cliches, the next time these two teams run into each other, you would think that the Chiefs would finally have one sway. I mean, right? Again, you're, that's just reading into what is football folklore in a way. A lot of games don't have anything to do with the previous games, but you got to think at some point here, Patrick freaking Mahomes is going to break yeah. through and the defense is going to break through and sort of have their, their number for a game. But well, and you could and, tell that the Bengals really wanted this one, not, not to say the Chiefs yeah. didn't, but this felt like a playoff game in Cincinnati. Well, even so, uh, it's, it's a game that could easily have gone to the Chiefs. We might have a whole different, you know, attitude about it with just a couple of things happening, happening differently. I thought uh, it, when uh, Carlos Dunlap made that amazing play just before halftime to, uh, to break through the line and, uh, and shut down a fourth and one play close to the goal line. I thought, okay, I just saw the turning point of this game. I mean, I thought it was going to energize the chiefs yeah. and, and for a while it did uh, that, you know, that would have been the turning point of the game without, things that happened later so the the chiefs ended up struggling once again on offense and it did seem like the Bengals were playing a bit back as they usually do against the chiefs andy reed was asked this morning if there was anything different about how the Bengals played them defensively you know what seren they they added a little bit more just straight zero in there they they pop with it normally but they showed us a couple all out blitzes um you know pat and um uh, 11 did a nice job of working you know working that down the field so they, they did a good job against it but they did they did the drop eight against us i thought we, we were productive against it i just think the gall of any team to want to blitz patrick mahomes you have to be really confident in making that decision because he mm-hmm. usually slices and dices and I, I think you saw early in this game one of the plays was when they brought out a seemingly all-out blitz and Travis Kelsey was wide open and had it not been a bat down by the defensive front, who knows what this game would have looked like because the Chiefs would have had a touchdown on that play. But that was just one of the examples in which, you know, I really felt like, okay, the, the Chiefs have a, a, a way to take advantage of this. And then every time they brought the blitz, he, it did seem like Patrick Mahomes was looking up at Marquez Valdez Scantling, who ended up having what was a, a pretty nice game. He led the Chiefs in receiving yards with 71 yards and two receptions. He was targeted four times. He did have a, a drop in this game. I, just, I still wonder about MVS, but I just think the bigger takeaway for me is the Bengals have identified something on film where from time to time they're going to try to surprise Mahomes, even though he's had success against the Blitz. And I just wonder if that's setting something up for maybe seeing this team again later down the line. Do they change that up once again and maybe do a little bit less in, in what, what could be an, an AFC playoff game? Yeah, well, um, you know, you got to figure that the Chiefs are going to be paying special attention going forward, and you would have thought that going into this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, they all talked like they had figured out how to play the Bengals, but they sure didn't in practice act like they would like they did. It, it just looked like they had. It looked just like the game that we saw in January. It was very, very odd, I thought. Tight end Travis Kelsey did finish with four receptions for 56 yards, but he was blanked in the first half. Mm -hmm. Really rare for Travis Kelsey. Two targets and could not bring a pass in. So a pretty good night defensively for the Bengals. That's how good Travis Kelsey is. He can have 56 yards against you, and you can be like, you know what? 
that was a pretty good defensive effort. Here was Andy <laughs> Reid on what the Bengals did against the future Pro Football Hall of Fame tight end. Yeah, listen, they did a good job. Now left other people left other people open, and and I could have. Let me start that uh, with this, Sam. That I, I could have dialed up more things that were a little bit more friendly for him too. And, and got them into space a little bit more. So some of that is on the calls. Other is they, they had a plan for him, you know, where they were going to double in and out him and, you know, take him out. Now, it, listen, it opened up things for, for the other guys to, to be productive, but we take a lot of pride and get guys open when somebody has a plan on them. And then second half, we did a little better with it. So, uh, and Trav did better. Seems like a little bit of a challenge to an MVS. Again, with six targets, only to two receptions, seems like it could be a challenge to another guy who had an additional target in, in like a Juju Smith-Schuster where maybe these guys need need to step up or, or get open. I also thought, and we won't play this part for you, but in Andy Reid's opening statement, he, he essentially said these this is two good football teams and you can't make mistakes in dire situations at the end because sometimes it really does come down to the nitty-gritty there and – I wouldn't say he was calling out Travis Kelsey, but just calling out his team, I think, in the future, where if you're playing a Buffalo Bills or Cincinnati Bengals, can't fumble the football. And I, I think of all the, the problems with Kelsey, it was when he finally got going, this was such a key pivotal play where the Chiefs could have went up multiple scores. I will have a marinated takeaway for that, so I'm not going to spoil it completely. So we're going to move on quickly. We'll get back to that in a second here. Last comment from Andy Reid I want to play, and I, I thought this was interesting and something that we – maybe would tend to forget in what is a very, very disappointing loss is what this game could mean for the progress of young defensive backs like a Trent McDuffie, uh, a Joshua Williams. Here's Andy Reid. Yeah, Nick, that, I, I think that this uh, is hurt as they are. Uh, I, I think that that's going to help them grow. Um, you know, whether it's a leverage thing, whether it's not having to strike hard at a ball, but just getting your hand on the ball is good enough. Uh your footwork and how you handle that, all those, all those things against good players. And you had a variety of sizes that you're going against. I just, I think, uh, um, and speed. So I, I just think that that they can, they look at it properly, you know, which, which they're, they're pretty good that way. They look at it properly. They can grow from that. When the chiefs opt to trade a guy like Rashad Fenton, to me, that that's doubling down on the rookies, but you're also, at risk of, okay, you know, when you get to the postseason, you're not going to have postseason experience. That's why these games that feel like a playoff game, and I know that there's a lot of unhappy Chiefs fans at, at Justin Reed, but I think Justin Reed and his words actually increased what was the drama between these two teams, and you could tell that the receivers were not so happy about the words, and you could tell that the fans knew about it. They felt extremely disrespected, and what it created was this playoff atmosphere before the playoffs in, in a way. And, yes, you didn't come out successful, but I tend to think you'll have McDuffie and a Williams being more ready for that atmosphere, having gone through this game than maybe where they were at before. Yeah, I think that's right, because uh, in a lot of ways, this did feel a lot like a playoff game, not only because, you know, these teams might face each other in the playoffs, but it had that kind of intensity uh, based on the buildup from it. Because, you know, all we were talking about in the run-up to this game was the previous time they played, which was a playoff game. You know, it just, it just added to the atmosphere of the thing. And, uh, you know, the virtual nationwide audience in the late afternoon game, it, it really did feel much like a playoff game. Uh, I, I wish the chiefs would have treated more like one, but there you go. <laughs> it did feel like the Bengals 
desperately wanted to win it. Maybe yeah. it just was a product of them being at home. Mm-hmm. Maybe if this game was at Arrowhead and it wouldn't have felt so much like that. But there did feel, and this is an intangible thing, so don't kill me here, but it did feel there was an extra sense of urgency from the Bengals for whatever reason. I, and I, you know, I don't know why that, that was exactly, but well, you don't they, really have, yeah, you don't have to look much beyond the record. Yeah. You know, the, the, they can, they can afford fewer losses on the remainder of the games this season than the chiefs can, yeah. you know, so it, it might just be as simple as that. Well, whatever it was, the Bengals won 27 to 24. If you want to hear Andy Reid in full, about a nine minute press conference today, you can right here on the airhead pride podcast network on from the podium. As for us, we're going to move on into our world famous marinated takeaways coming up next right here on the airhead pride editors show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. Takes time. Takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Chiefs coming off a very disappointing 27 to 24 loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. It's time now to try to get you through it, to try to therapize you. I don't know if that's a word, but I think that if there's anything <laughs> that therapizes you, it would be our world famous marinated takeaways. So, John, we will start with you. What is on your mind from this game? Well, I've had a couple of things occur to me this week. One of them is, how in the world did it get to be week 14 already? How did that happen? It seems like Perfect. the season just started, but that's that's just, you know, a piece of irrelevancy right there. Uh, the thing that struck me um, this morning after I got up was, you know, we had this big game and we lost it. People are upset. People are going crazy that they've lost three in a row to the Bengals. But that that's three in a row by a total of nine points. I mean, that's, you know, that's a, a, a margin that Patrick Mahomes could make up in four minutes of game time, yeah. you know? Um, and that's over three games. I mean, it's not as if the chiefs are getting destroyed in these games. They're they're, And yes, those games should count as victories. And that's the, that's what's always interesting about uh, NFL games. I think is that, Oftentimes they do turn on uh, on a, something that occurs over the space of a couple of inches, you know, a first down that isn't made or a catch that just goes off of somebody's fingertips and all of yeah. a sudden you lose a game by a field goal or whatever. 
they're going to count that way. That's the way it works. But at the end of the day, oftentimes these games turn on very small things. And mm-hmm. I think that's been the case in all three of these games. I have a related narrative takeaway, so it's nice that ours play into each other to, to start this thing. But I, I tend to think that easily what could be considered fixable mistakes provide narratives, the 180 treatment. What do I mean by this? Well, you had Travis Kelsey, who typically takes care of the football and is usually one of the major reasons that you win these games because he's so good and he draws so much attention and he makes your whole offense sort of tick there. Now, if Travis Kelsey doesn't fumble that football, what are we talking about on Monday? Well, the Chiefs are still the Super Bowl favorites. The Bengals don't have this unofficial Super Bowl type celebration that's going on in Cincinnati where you have the social media account bragging and saying a streak is a streak and so on and so forth. Patrick Holmes still is the best quarterback in the league, having finally beaten Joe Burrow. Justin Reed's trash talk is backed up. Harrison Butker isn't a problem. He's still fixed. All of these things will be taking place if Travis Kelsey doesn't fumble. The problem is Travis Kelsey fumbled. So now people are about the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. People have questions as to whether the Bengals are a better team than the Chiefs. Is Joe Burrow better than Patrick Mahomes? Why is Justin Reed so irrelevant in a game where he talks a lot of trash going into it? And is Harrison Butker a problem? None of this is a question if Travis Mm -hmm. Kelsey does not fumble. And I'm not killing Travis, but the fumble did happen. And I think that's what Andy's point about these mistakes in games are. If you Mm -hmm. don't fumble, if you don't make the mistake, the entire city feels a lot different. It's it's such a crucial mistake. It's maybe not going after two extra yards when you already have a first down. It's going down. Kelsey, there has been moments where he's coughed off the ball when he's trying for extra yards. It seems like that's really the only time when he really has a problem with this. Mm -hmm. And you have these defenders that that know to, and this isn't just Kelsey, if the guy's going after for extra yardage, get your helmet on the ball, punch it out, so on and so forth. This was such a a key part of of the game, and I just think it shifted the narrative, a complete 180 of what this would have been had he just not coughed up the football. The Chiefs probably go up multiple scores and and win the game, and it's just a completely different feel of the entire NFL. Now you go to the talking head shows, it's the Bengals are getting spicy again. The Chiefs are vulnerable. Why? Because <laughs> someone dropped the ball, really, when it comes down to it. that That's why. It would be completely different. And I just think it's important to remember of, of how crucial when, again, it's two good teams. It's not, it's not, like, it's not like there's a ton of difference between these teams. I, I tend to think the Chiefs are in better shape still, but they made a crucial mistake in a, in a situation. There's other things that certainly have to be cleaned up. But you take that away, what are we talking about today? Something completely different, John. Right. Right. Well, and like I said, uh, you know, after Dunlap's play at the end of the at the end of the first half, I, I really felt like that was something that was going to be a momentum changer. And it did. You know, the Chiefs had been behind 14-3 in the second the second quarter. And then I think the they scored 14-3. I think that was the run that they had. Uh, then, you know, they basically turned it around on the Bengals and took the lead in the third quarter. And if Kelsey doesn't fumble that ball, they had momentum. They just held the the yep. Bengals to two drives with field goals, and they'd held them from scoring at all in two drives before that. They're driving down the field. They're moving the ball well. I mean, it was a 19-yard play, 
that Kelsey had made before he uh, fumbled the ball, and it was uh, you know right at midfield. The Chiefs, I think, almost certainly would have gotten a field goal on that drive, if not another touchdown. And with a touchdown, they'd have been ahead by eleven points with right. you know in the fourth quarter. And uh, you know that's a that's a pretty good margin again. You know, albeit against a Bengals team that can move the ball and had moved the ball pretty effectively, but on the other hand, they hadn't scored a touchdown since before halftime at that point. Right. So uh, you know, it, 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 I think it would have changed what happened. And I think the other lesson in this is if we're going to have this conversation about oh this was a loss, we have to treat it like a loss, and it's going to be counted as a loss now and forever, which is all true. That also means that when the Chiefs win a game by a field goal in the final seconds of the game, we should recognize that it plays the other way too. You know that that uh, in any of these games that are decided in this way, we ought to be a little careful about how much we brag about them. Right. No, that that's true. I I I think you're you're right there, and I I also think that that there's something about beating a team by a small margin that that's also good. Right. I, mm-hmm. I think if the chiefs would have won the one score game against the bills by one score, people would be thrilled. I think if the chiefs had right, managed to win this right. game, I feel less. like it's just, these are small margins change it completely. I have a tough marinated takeaway for number two and, oh boy. and you know, look, what did, what did Mary Poppins say? A spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. So get your sugar ready. I think the Chiefs are a Super Bowl contender without Tyreek Hill. However, I think there are big games in which they really miss the X factor that that was Hill. I think there were certain times last night where you, you say, okay, Mark was down the Scantling is down the field, and Andy Reid, as we played before, noted that he is someone who could stretch the field. It's just not the same threat or player. Uh, now, can they win a Super Bowl without Tyreek Hill? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's more difficult like significantly more difficult i just think about and it it doesn't even really for me have to even be tyree kill i just think about if you were to take t higgins and put him on the chiefs instead of the Bengals. i I just uh, he's a you know he's not even there jamar chase he's just a very talented receiver or gabe davis somebody like that i like mbs i think he can stretch the field he's very much to me right now and we've had quite the sample size, just what he was in Green Bay. We thought there was a chance where he could come to Kansas City and maybe be a little bit better of a, a receiver as far as an all-around guy. And he's a guy that sometimes is going to get you the deep threat when he when he catches it. And you don't always know if he he will. And that that's really what he was for Aaron Rodgers. Juju Smith-Schuster is great, but he's another possession type of guy, yak man, like a Travis Kelsey. And I, I just think <laughs> that exclamation point on being the Super Bowl team is missing without Hill. Can they get it done? Yeah, they can. It's it's these big games where I, I do think they're they're missing that element. And I think that's okay to admit because again, I'm not saying that they can't win a Super Bowl. It's just going to be more challenging until they find that ultra threat that was the guy beyond what is Travis Kelsey and and when you know, when Reed is sort of alluding to the idea of, well, other guys were getting open, it's a difference between a Tyree Kill and a Juju or a Justin Watson or, or an MBS. And I think they got to learn to win these big games without them. And the, the two toughest ch- challenges on the, on the schedule so far, the Chiefs have lost. I mean, that, that's just the reality at this point. 
well, they're always more likely to, to lose those tough challenges than they are the other games. So yes. you have to factor that into it as well. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think that um, I think the offense has been unexpectedly good without Tyreek Hill. Agreed. But there's but there's a there's a dimension that just isn't there. Um, and in some ways they've replaced it. In other ways they haven't replaced it. Um, and, you know, I also think that we haven't really seen what the Chiefs wanted to put on the field. Early in the season, um, you know, everybody was still feeling each other out a little bit. We didn't really see, you know, what this could be, replacing Hill's production with, you know, three or four guys. Right. And and then as the season has gone on, we've lost a couple of them here and there. You know, Tony coming and going. Hardman out, uh, Schuster has been out for a few games here and there. And, you know, for all I know, he may be on the injury report on Wednesday. Uh, he took a pretty severe hit in that one play and was out for a little bit. Uh, Andy Reid wasn't talking about him today at, uh, in his presser, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him at least getting some injury treatment this week when the injury report comes out. So I, I, I think you're right about Tony, though, too. Tony, when, yeah. he, when he got here, all of a sudden you're like, man, I, I think that right. flash, that flash is back. Not the, exactly the same as Tyreek Hill, but that right. player, they right. just get the ball in his hands. And then all of a sudden, man, magic could kind of happen. And right. I think I think what is hurting the Chiefs is they really felt like they had something in Tony and they, they could have used him in this game. You wonder. Oh, you Absolutely. Wonder. I mean, we're gonna do the the guess hypothetical situation, but if, if Tony plays and is playing, you know, the amount of snaps that they had designed for him, and say he hadn't gotten hurt, and they they had built up to what a seventy to eighty percent snap, they probably win. I, I, I know that's you can, I'm just saying that, but I when it oh, comes even, down to three points, I just feel like yeah. you know, I don't know. Even so Hardman to, could have made a difference. You sure. know, if yeah. Hardman had been available for this game, he might have made a difference in, in we, how the we, game could have come out. For what it's worth, I, as you mentioned, Hardman, I should say that I've seen Hardman bopping around the building. Haven't really seen a ton of Tony, and so I, I tend to think when Hardman's games are up, I know that he's put on social media him running and stuff. I, I don't know how many games we have left of that. Maybe two, or is it one? Uh, I have to. I think it's two. Yeah. When it's up, I, look I expect that. him to be back in the mix. Anyway, uh, yeah. do you have any other marinated takeaways from this game? I have one more. Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I would like to point out uh, that. Uh, I, th I think it's a little early to be concerned about Harrison Butker's ankle again. Yeah. We went through this little scare with him saying he wasn't hundred percent back and he hadn't been playing very well yet for a couple of games, he's been nails. And I think that this field goal yesterday, a was long. Okay. It's a 55 yarder. Yeah. He can hit those. Absolutely. But that doesn't mean it's as easy as one that's 25 yards. Okay. Uh, it's outdoors and cold weather. Apparently it wasn't a very good snap. Um, you know, all those things are part of the equation here. I, I, I just think, I think what we have seen is that Butker is back. And even when Butker is back, he's going to miss about one field goal in 10 because that's the percentage, you know, he's around 90%. So yeah, I, I think that's what we saw with that 55 yarder in the fourth quarter. It was, that was the one in 10 right there. I can't blame fans for being upset about this one sure. just yeah. because we know that he's not a hundred percent. They've been open about saying that. And it's a, it's a 55 yarder in Cincinnati and the cold. And you're right. He hasn't missed in a long time, but has it been like three games. 
So I can understand where Andy Reid wants to get that game even, but it is frustrating. I know our, our friend of the site, Sam McDowell, the star, his whole column was about just taking the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands in that spot. Yeah. And well, that's a different argument though. No, I know. We, yeah, we don't know how the game plays out if they just leave the offense on the field. Sure. But yeah, I, I wonder, you know, just, these are just things that you'll always wonder. And the only thing you can hope at this point, if you're a Chiefs fan is that they get another shot at Cincinnati. Preferably at a GEHA field at Arrowhead Stadium, as they they tell me to say. Okay, my final <laughs> marinated takeaway is this, and it's a positive one because yeah, I felt like we needed some kind of positive marinated takeaway in this. Since the Chiefs' five game win streak is now over, John, we need to continue the five podcast streak of me bragging about running back Isaiah Pacheco. My oh, man well, okay. is getting better each and every week i knew it i knew it was going to be the case i'm so happy that that andy reed listens to the editor show because he heard me and he started him and he's giving him more and more opportunities every week i think the the vision gets better and better every week he is and look i don't want to hype him up too much but man i watched this guy i watched i watch all these games around the league he, he's he could be one of the most explosive running backs in the nfl so i just i really would like the chiefs to continue to give him opportunities and i just feel like and i've said the point before i'm just reiterating here but i just feel like the the running backs as a whole and the offense as a whole tick better when you're given isaiah pacheco the the majority of these early down carries and i would be remiss not to mention jerick mckinnon's effort in that spell role he was very very good yeah. uh, so i do like the continuation of the committee i don't think that Derek mckinnon should be just left out in the cold but i just man i love getting pacheco going because he really feels like the type of back, even as a rookie, where if you get to carry seven, eight, and nine, they're just way more angry, explosive. He's in a groove way more than when early in the year when they're giving like three, you know. So I'm, 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 I'm in favor of this. I think it's working, even though they did lose last night. And you really have to love the guy's enthusiasm and his motor. You know, he gets taken out of bounds and and pancaked outside the the sideline. And he leaps to his feet and runs back to the huddle. You yeah. know, you have to love that. It, it says a lot about the kid that he, uh, well, he has that attitude. You he's know, been I, asked I about that. He's been asked about that. And his answer was he wants to stay in the game. So mm-hmm. he does not want who with his uh, running backs coach, Greg Lewis, to have any thought to put in, you know, what would be McKinnon or, or at this stage of the game, Rojo. He wants to just continue to stay in. And that's very purposeful that he's doing that. And I also think it sends a, a gritty message to the other team. Like, oh, yeah, I don't care if you're shoving me into the bench yeah. <laughs> and getting my jersey dirty. I'm going to get up and I'm going to run it right down your throats again. I just love the attitude. And I, man, I think the Chiefs got one in the seventh round there. And I, it's great to see that we don't even know what the ceiling is at this point. That's that that was my only point here. And again, I wanted to give a positive narrative to take away after being kind of sure. Kind of a bummer on the first two. All right. That's it for our American takeaways for the Chiefs and the Bengals. When we come back, we will go through our headline roundup of everything we learned over the past week. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, wrapping up with a headline roundup from the past couple weeks here. We've been talking about it for a long time, and I'm starting to wonder if tight end Blake Bell is going to be around for 2022 i feel like <laughs> yeah this hip surgery we didn't think it would take him that long to get back but we have not even seen him take the practice field yet wondering if that happens this week i'm also wondering because of the tight end room and its development is this a case where you see him practice and maybe they don't opt to 
activate him eventually. I'm not really sure mm, what they're yeah. thinking, but uh, something to monitor. I also think this is a, a bigger thing in, in the in the category of injuries. The tackles struggled a bit last night. I, you know that was obvious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're listening to the show and you're thinking about Orlando Brown Jr., look, I get it. He had some bad reps last night. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I. They're not going to bench the franchise tag. They're just not going to do it. So the only possible change that I think could happen, that's something that I've said before, is Lucas Niang replacing Andrew Wiley at right tackle. And I, I just think maybe they do it as a, a jolt. You also had Nick Allegretti in for Joe Tooney. So I just wonder if you see maybe next week they, they try to get Niang in there. You tend to think because he was downgraded the question, well, they will have Tooney back in the mix and, Maybe all of a sudden against the Denver Broncos, you can give you some confidence. You you start to feel like, okay, this this might be the, the way to go with the line. I, I'm just wondering out loud if this is the, the week that we see Niang maybe back in the mix at right tackle. Yeah, that could be. I mean, the, the one thing that I thought was encouraging about it um, that, I, that I noticed yesterday is that he was the guy coming in for the sixth tackle. Uh, yeah. the sixth lineman uh, when they, you know, that typically is, the game, they do that. Yeah, that typically is Allegretti, but with him right. playing, but right. you're right. That would mean that if we're doing the number game, right, he's at least the seventh lineman. I'd be curious right. to see if he was still that guy mm-hmm. if Tooney had started. But, but you're right. That's a good that's yeah. a good call. Yeah, that, that they're giving him some playing time outside of special teams indicates that he's you know, he's good enough to be out there on the field uh, and when the offense is on the field. So uh, that makes makes it a greater possibility, I think, that we might see him uh, in that kind of role. And I agree with you. Orlando Brown Jr. is going to be where he is uh, unless there's an injury or something and um, they have to do something different. I think what we're looking at is the potential of a change at right tackle and right tackle alone at this point. Um, and you know, Orlando Brown Jr.'s had some good games. He just doesn't, he just didn't have a good one this, this time. He's, no. he's been high and low this year. There's been some games when he's been pretty good and some games when he's been pretty bad. And if you're looking for some positivity there, I mean, yeah, how, how yeah. thankful must, must, must the Chiefs be for not committing to that deal? And oh, yeah, I wonder if Orlando's gonna dial back that whole like highest paid left tackle energy that we were seeing last off season. But that is a conversation for another day, as they say, John. All right, let's round up some roster moves that they made this week. It was more minor roster moves. Las Vegas receiver, Brian Edwards to the practice squad. They brought in Melvin Gordon uh, to the practice squad as well. And then they added veteran defensive tackle, Brandon Williams. And the cuts there were Wayne Gallman and center Austin Ryder. As part of the 16-man practice squad, Melvin Gordon's John seemed to get the most attention of of all these moves. Yeah, but I I think that's just because people are looking for any excuse to put uh, Edward Zelaire on the sideline. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I I think that's what it is is that people people are ready to move on, and I think that's I think that's unfortunate. I've said that before, but I think that's yeah. part of the dynamic. When you bring in uh, a running back, I, I think that's part of why people have been so high on Pacheco is that they see him as a guy who can play better than Edward Zillaire has. Um, I mean, yeah. so, you know, I think that's part of the dynamic I there. I don't think that 
having Gordon on the practice squad is any threat to Pacheco. I just I think the Chiefs see him in that McKinnon role of a pass yeah. catching back. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And and I mean I, I don't I don't think he's gonna be up unless there's something that's going on with McKinnon. I, I think maybe the Chiefs thought there could be something going on with McKinnon last week. He didn't practice on Wednesday and Thursday mm-hmm. yeah. because of a hamstring issue, was able to log a practice on Friday and then appeared more than fine in the game. And McKinnon, McKinnon was the last last problem that the Chiefs had in this game with his yards per carry. So Gordon, I think, is is there is some some insurance. I guess I do wonder if he is someone that could be activated against a former team. It seems like players like to play against their former teams, but I don't know if the Chiefs would just do that. Rojo's been in the mix. Brandon Williams is someone who has a connection to Joe Cullen. And so mm-hmm. I just think it's it's adding more guys to um what is, uh, you know, a, a defensive line room that you, you can never have enough bodies. He, he had a little bit of a dip last year, according to Pro Football Focus. But before that was a really good run stuffer. So I think it's just another body just in case someone were to get hurt. And look, it happens. We saw Turk Wharton go down early in the sure. year. So if something yeah. were to happen to some of these guys, you have someone that, that I think you're developing now in the practice squad. Well, I think that's the same. You, it's the same thing with Edwards, too. Um, yeah. You know, as I said a couple of minutes ago, uh, we're missing, we're down a few wideouts compared to mm-hmm. where we were earlier in the year. Yeah. And uh, I think they're just trying to make sure they've always got somebody they can bring in there if, if another player goes down. Um, I thought it was interesting this uh, today that uh, Andy Reid talked about, uh, you know, putting all the attention on Kelsey that had opened up possibilities for other receivers. Yeah. How come Sky Moore didn't even get a target yesterday? I think that's interesting. I, uh, I, I would and, expect under those circumstances, we would have seen more from uh, from Sky Moore, but we didn't. So that's a mystery to me. And I'm supposed to be this Chiefs expert. He was in my my DraftKings pool yesterday, John, and he did. And I, you know, that that matters more than anything that we're talking about. Oh, well, today. yeah, we yeah. we didn't see a target for him. So yeah, very disappointing. I thought he was really coming on, and I I don't know just because of what he he's kind of shown on offense, especially off the line of scrimmage. I just think he's got yeah. a rare trait of that release and just can get open mm-hmm. right away, and especially when you have. There's attention that Travis Kelsey is getting. You know, I don't know. I don't know. That that's a fair question. That could be a, a look. That's a bonus marinated takeaway. Look at what we're doing today. We're getting yeah, a bonus. Look at that. Thank you for thank you for reminding me about Sky Moore and and how he did, wasn't really involved. All right. So those are the roster moves. I I think they're just minor. I think they're they're viable backups in the case that that you have injuries. And again, we'll get the first injury report for Chiefs and Broncos Wednesday afternoon. Check that out at ArrowheadPride.com. Patrick Mahomes. Talked a little bit about the the Joe Burrow rivalry, and unlike his defensive teammates, was pumping up the Bengals heading into this game, really complimenting Joe Burrow and <laughs> and, and being someone that he really sees as as a competitor and, and a rival. And now, for good reason, and we don't have to continue to to harp on it. But three and O, three in a row against Mahomes. The only other quarterback to beat him three times is Tom Brady. Has not done it in a row. So. You know that this annoys Mahomes, and I would say, and I'll end here, and you can add in anything you want, John, but the thing that you like about Mahomes is that Patrick Mahomes is probably waking up on Monday dying to play Joe Burrow again. Like yeah. He's not a guy that is that is saying to himself, well, I hope we don't see him in the playoffs. Yeah. He's a guy that's saying, <laughs> I would love to see that, yeah. and in the first round of, in the playoffs like, yeah. as soon as possible. You know yeah. what I mean? No, I agree. I, that's, that's who he is. That's who he's always been, and, and that's one of the things everybody loves about him is that he's so competitive um, and so anxious to um, to wipe that kind of thing, wipe that smirk off somebody's face, to, for lack of a better way to put it. Um, everybody loves that about Mahomes. 
And I, I think you're exactly right. I, I, today, you know, I've seen people saying, oh, my God, I hope we don't play the Bengals. And I think you're right. I think the Chiefs have an entirely different attitude. Like They want to get this. They want to put this thing down and, I mean, they and gotta, not have they, it be they, an they, issue anymore. They get, they usually rebound pretty nicely. And I think it's because yeah. they just get ticked off at how badly they've played. And that's why, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you talk about the Denver Broncos and going to Denver. I tend to think the Chiefs are just going to really roll over them. Now, it is a division game. You never know what can happen yeah. in the division. But yeah. I just I think they're going to play it pretty angry coming off yeah. of this loss because they want it. What did the Broncos score nine points yesterday? <laughs> what was it, 10 to nine against the Ravens? Yeah. It's bad out there, John. It's bad yeah. out there. We'll have previews all week here at uh, the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Speaking of people who really enjoy them, some Patrick Mahomes, Matt Nagy apparently gave him the answers <laughs> to a test. <laughs> Ahead of the NFL draft, I tend to think, and this you could hear it on, on my question to Matt Nagy on one of these from the podiums was, you know, he has a relationship with Brett Feach. Brett Feach wanted Mahomes more than anyone. I still credit John Dorsey for orchestrating the trade, but it was a Brett Feach push. We all know that story. He has Matt Nagy that's in the coach's room, and he might have said, look, we really need this guy in Kansas City. Good that he did. I don't know if Andy Reid really knew about it. it. It doesn't seem like he did. I don't know if we'll ever know the truth until – Mahomes is retired, long and gone. Andy Reid, I don't even know if he'd be interested in this, but he writes his book and reveals, okay, I, I had no idea about this, but I don't know. It seemed like Matt Nagy, <laughs> like Brett Veach, really wanted Mahomes in Kansas City, and I think the one thing that you say if you're a Chiefs fan is, thank God they, they were able to do this, and Patrick Mahomes got the pre-draft test and, and nailed it since he had the answers, and uh, yeah, they ended up taking him with that 10th that <laughs> overall pick, so... Yeah, that was a, that was a funny story. I, that was it was fun to have it reported. It was fun for the reporters to ask questions about it. I thought Andy Reid was hilarious the other day when he he, he, he acted. You could tell he was like, a little annoyed, but he was he was funny. Yeah, I, I couldn't. You know, you you said after the press conference. Yeah, I think Andy was mad. Well, Andy was mad about some things, yeah. but I'm not sure he was mad about that. I think he was. I think he was pretending to be mad i think he's taken some of the acting he learned doing that commercial i gotta be applying that yeah i I gotta be petty pete for a second i took a lot of heat when i tweeted out that matt Nagy coming back was the next head coach somewhere down the road and i'm getting less (laughs) heat about that now all right uh joe cullen uh credited as the catalyst for the defensive line revamp and we've been talking about joe cullen since the offseason and he really has a little feels a little silly sometimes looking back at the the headlines after the game because it wasn't great. It wasn't yeah, great sack right. wise on Sunday. Uh, only eleven pressures as a as a defense uh, against um, Joe Burrow. So they've been good all year, and you you know you you got to look at the body of work. The Chiefs have been much better along the defensive line, but you you wish that that would have translated to that that game against the Bengals. The Chiefs benching Sky Moore on punt returns is a temporary solution. I think that's the case. I I think. You know, maybe one day down the road, Sky Moore will get another opportunity. But I also think that so long, and you had a point about this, John, so long as Kadarius Tony is here and healthy, I think that's mm-hmm. who they want anyway at right. this stage of the game. So, no, I, I agree. I think that it'll be a lot easier when Tony is healthy to not even have to, you know, then Watson will be the second guy. And if Tony gets hurt again, Watson will be, you know, that he'll just be the next guy out there. Um, I, I think. I'm kind of surprised by uh, how upset people were by more dropping those punts. I, I just, I, I, but cause it's Dave Tobe is right. This is something mm-hmm. that happens with punt returners 
and you have to take some of the 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 bad with the good. And we just haven't happened to see any good from Sky Moore yet. I think, think Tobe believes yeah. that yeah that, that we're going to get some big returns out of him, and I, then we'll forget about the fumbles. I think what annoys people, and this is fair, is not so much that they're having a rookie do it, but they're doing having a rookie do it with one college punt return, right? So I I don't know. I I can understand the frustration, but at the same time, you know, Dave Tobe is also someone who sees raw traits, probably better than any special teams coordinator and, sure. and so i, I think yeah. what he's what he has in his mind is man if the ball is in this kid's hands who knows what damage he can do the problem is he's, he's dropping the yeah the it's... you know the punt <laughs> and so that part you can't get to that part and so anyway it's it it sounds like it's gonna be justin watson now and then trent mcduffie after uh, watson uh and and then you know, maybe somewhere down the road, you you see them give more another shot. I, I tend to think they'd want to do it in the preseason again before they try that in a real game. But uh, so. you know, yeah. number, the numbers game can can come back to you a little bit. Uh, we've seen that. Finally, I, I pulled this headline, and this was a really nice job by one of our uh, analysts, writers, new writers here at Arrowhead Pride this year, Price Carter. Just really noting that suddenly the Chiefs' 2022 expectations are back to the Super Bowl or bust. Remember, this was ahead of the game, so you you know you didn't have that information that they would lose to the Bengals. I don't think the loss really changes that idea, but no. it, it is, is a nice reminder that heading into the season, it was man, I I can't believe the Broncos or Chargers are going to win the AFC West and the Chiefs might get a wild card or, and you know you get to this point, six games, five games left, and people would would be rightfully upset if the Chiefs aren't at least vying for that AFC buy at this stage. And the division is going to be wrapped up this weekend, you, you know, more or less just because the, the LA chargers lost another game to the to yes. Las Vegas Raiders. So they should have the division wrapped up. So now it's, it's still very much super bowl or bust. And I, I think it's wide open in the AFC to an extent. I think it's wide open in the NFC. There's a lot of teams who you could see making a run and, and winning the super bowl. But I think the chiefs and its fans would, would be, disappointed if it doesn't happen because I, I just think it is wide open. So why not Patrick Mahomes again? No, I agree. And I never would have expected, I mean, I'm just totally surprised by this. I thought that all the talk about the AFC West teams catching up with the chiefs this year was a little overblown, yeah. but I think it was hard. I thought it was hard to just completely dismiss it, you know, because you well, know, there's 18 all, weeks all... now. None of us thought it week 14 yeah. would be over with. Like right. officially, officially over. You know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. put a star next to their name over. That's crazy to me. Crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. I just never would have expected that. I would have expected more competition from the other AFC West teams because they did make moves that that you know should have made a pretty big difference. But I think it again shows why uh, you're wise not to put all your eggs in the free agent basket. Because it's so easy to get a name player who you spend a lot of money to get or give up or spend a lot of money and give up draft picks to get in some cases. Mm -hmm. um, and then they don't turn out to be nearly as good. I mean, I know a lot of people are are very unhappy about uh, how much production we've seen from Frank, Frank Clark. Yeah. And I think some of that some of that isn't justified, but some of it is justified. I think he hasn't really performed up to the expectations that people had for all that we gave up to get the guy. But at the same time, he's uh, the chiefs have thought he's been a valuable player, just not as much as they're paying him. And, and this happens all over the league all the time. Mm 
And I think that some of yeah. these moves we saw in the AFC West have turned out like that this year. And here we are in week 14, with the Chiefs about to get their seventh straight. Well, there's there's three examples that come to my mind of like, man, aren't you happy that the Chiefs are a little bit hesitant to do these type of things? Mm-hmm. You look at 33-year-old Von Miller, who yep. is now off the field for what is four weeks on injured reserve. We're not even sure if he's going to be that effective the rest of the year with his injury. Right. Russ Wilson has been the disaster. You know, save for Herschel Walker, this is looking like the worst NFL trade it, ever. And mm-hmm. they gave him a five-year deal, 240 and change. Looks like they're not going to have a solution. He might not even be able to start in two years. I think they're going to have to start him next year and then by year three, maybe admit their mistake if they can't find a head coach to make him work. And then look at the entire team of the Los Angeles Rams. I get it. They won a Super Bowl, and that can make you happy for, for 10 years. But related to this, because it's a little bit more of a, a, a rightful comparison instead of the Kansas City Chiefs, 2015 was pretty fun. These have been really annoying years with uh, with Kansas City Royals baseball. I mean, they, they, they yeah, you know, this, the season's <laughs> over by the second month. And yes, the World yeah. Series was fun. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it's seven years after, and you're still like, we're going to ever be close to that. I mean, that was a lot of fun. And I think you would. Wow, seven years. I, I think it has you, been, hasn't it? Yeah. I think what you would prefer in the long run is being a viable contender every single year. Sure. Yeah. And the Chiefs were able to get a Super Bowl and maintain flexibility. And I think that the regime is, is really smart to have you know found a way to accomplish that. As much as the L.A. Rams and their fans probably enjoyed last year, I know there's still some fans in, in St. Louis across the way. Man, it's going to be a long time, it feels like, before they're relevant again. And is it worth it? Is it worth it? Or is would you rather have your team winning a division every year or at least – competing for a division and having a chance to win the Super Bowl every year. I just think it's more fun to be a fan, especially considering the Chiefs got one. They got one. So and and they maintain flexibility, right? So yeah. I don't know. That's at least where I fall on the spectrum. I, I always I'm always amused when I hear fans talk about teams that are in win now mode. And I I heard some people applying that label to the Chiefs in the last few seasons that you know the Chiefs have to win now. Well Patrick Mahomes has got a cheap contract. It's like, no, that's not how I would do it if I were a GM. I would want, once I had a player like Mahomes under contract, and especially once I had him under a really long-term contract, say 10 or 12 years, for example, I would be figuring out ways to make sure the team was relevant during that whole period. Give him a and shot I think every that's year. What we're seeing, that's what yeah. we're seeing. Give happen. him a shot every year. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think he will have that. And I think the Chiefs will be bigger players in free agency next year. And I think and this uh, turns into another conversation like they're going to have to make a tough call on Chris Jones because he's a little bit older yeah. and they've had mm-hmm. a strategy here of not giving older players yeah. in their late 20s these deals. So we'll see. But I, I, I think the Chiefs believe in that. Like, let's let's give Mahomes a shot every single year yep. mm-hmm. and we'll see what happens here. The Chiefs are the second seed right now. I think they have a very good chance. I, I was I said this morning on the other show, I, I would still bet on the Chiefs to win the AFC by just because of the Bills schedule and how the Chiefs rebound after losses like this. I just you know, I still sure I still believe in that. And even if they weren't, even if they finished in the second or third seed, are you betting against Mahomes? Remember who their first game was last year? The Pittsburgh Steelers. And then all of a sudden it was just the same, you know, as it was. Titans get eliminated. You're hosting the game anyway, so things can happen yeah. in the NFL. <laughs> All right, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's stop there. We have the Chiefs and Broncos coming up this weekend. Remember, that game has been flexed out 
of primetime because the Broncos suck. That's why they've been flexed out. <laughs> and so we will get that game at 3.05 p.m. Arrowhead time. We'll have previews all week. We'll have that first injury report coming at you on Wednesday and the Great British Chiefs show and show BK and Coast to Coast and all the things you love here from the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. As we said before, leave us a rating and a review. The countdown is on 49 reviews until i eat ice cream cake if you can get that done before it is 2023 so we will see if you can do that for steve serta behind the glass uh, he's john dixon i'm pete sweeney thank you for listening to another edition of the arrowhead pride editors show